morning, RLC family and friends and guests here and online. Thank you for connecting and joining us today. Um, God has a word for us that is life-changing. How many of you need a little change in your life? You know, you don't have to wait till January 1st. It's coming. But Christmas is coming sooner. And yet there's, there's, there are times in our lives that we kind of traditionally expect change. And that's the beginning of the year or the beginning of the school year or the end of the school year. A, a variety of things. And yet God is looking for change to occur in our lives all the time. Because he is designed and desired to help us go from where we are right now. Wherever you are, God knows it. More fully than you understand. And yet God sees us where we are and loves us right where we are, but loves us too much to leave us right where we are because he knows where he has to take us. And how good, how glorious, how blessed where he is bringing us to is. And yet we as, as sometimes as, as we're called children, as, as children, we resist God. We hesitate to let him take the lead because we may not know completely where we're going and, and we like to be in the know, don't we? And the reason why we want to be in the know is why. So we can determine whether that's where we want to go. Is that not true? And even if we saw what God was doing, we couldn't comprehend the vastness of the plan that God has for us that's for good, not for evil with a future and a hope. Remember, keep that in mind. Every time God is directing you into something, it's not for evil. It's for better than you're currently experiencing because as he blesses you in your life, your life and you can become a greater blessing to the people around you. And so we, we need to realize that we need to let God have his way because his way is better, but his way is higher than our way. And we're not going to understand everything, and we shouldn't. God never said according to your understanding. He said, according to your faith, your believing. And church, we are ones that are called to believe. Believe God, believe what he said, believe what he's doing, and participate with him. But if we come into this new life that Christ gives us when we turn in repentance from running our own lives to release our lives to Christ, that he would come in and be Lord, Master, Owner, Savior. In that moment, that's the time where we need to realize there's been a radical change. We're no longer living life the way we have lived for however many years we've lived in this earth. We've entered a new kingdom. There's a new and living way that we're, we're to walk in. There is a vast difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. Would you agree with that? And because of that vast difference, there is a necessity. It is absolutely necessary, essential, that we don't try and live the way we've always lived in this new kingdom. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God and how it is like a treasure. That, that people, when they found the kingdom of God, they determined everything that they had collected, everything they had put their life into up to that point was worth trading and giving away so that they could have the kingdom of God. We don't buy the kingdom. We're given the kingdom. The Bible says it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the way that occurs is we surrender. We surrender and submit to Christ we receive him as Lord and Savior. He comes to live in us by his spirit. And the kingdom is established. 
But now the kingdom has to increase and grow in our lives where he takes charge and takes over and controls every aspect, area, and avenue of our lives. And right there, I, I could just sense it. You know, some people just kind of cringe at that. I don't want everything in his hands. I want to keep some back for me. If we keep it back for us, we run the risk of being tempted and succumbing to sin. Because we deal with things in our flesh. If we're going to deal with them in the spirit, then our spirit loves and desires and longs for God's spirit to guide us and govern us and guard us. So we've been learning all about this and about how, how the kingdom of God is a treasure and a treasure is a deposit that enriches, enhances, and elevates our life. And we're, we're after treasures all the time. We treasure people. We treasure stuff. But all of it is short-lived compared to the treasure of God, his kingdom, and his word. And today we're going to look at some things that we may never have really understood. We need change in our life. There are things that are not the way God intended them to be. According to his word, we're, we're supposed to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. And yet, when I look at my life and we look at our lives, there are areas that we're just really struggling. And in some of them, we're being overcome and overwhelmed, it seems like. Is that true? I'm the only one? Okay. All right. As long as we can all relate. And so there's, there's this ongoing advancement of the kingdom of God, not just in the earth. It's got to start in us. That we become new creations, new creatures in Christ. But our old ways of doing things now have to align with this new kingdom and adjust to this new kingdom. And as we do, we're going to find more and more victory more and more breakthroughs, more and more blessings, more and more life, more and more peace, more and more joy, more and more freedom. It's it almost counterintuitive to say, if I give everything over to him, to the Lord, to, to my heavenly father, to do what his kingdom tells me to do and what his word tells me to do, it seems like I'm losing every bit of freedom. But truly, we are entering in for the first time in our lives the freedom that God has for us. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But Jesus, the Bible warns us that we can't use that liberty as an occasion to do what we want to do. And he knew we'd be tempted in that. And so today we're, we're going to dig back into some of the, the word that we looked at and really dissect it. But before we do, let's pray. If you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for your plan that is for good, uh, full of hope in the future. And Lord, we thank you right now that as you have your way, I, I ask you to use me today to speak to your beloved bride, the church. Lord, I thank you that today, as I allow you to have your way, you'll build your church that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Strengthening, stabilizing, empowering, and imparting your life, your love, and your ways. Lord, thank you right now for hearing hearts, not to what I say, but to what you're saying to each and every one of us today, that we would go forth with your rhema word and prevail for your glory and your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So we live in a time that is unlike any other time. The reality is you, every one of you, has the 
opportunity to have the world as an audience. You know, we over time have, have seen the information that comes to us starting years and years ago. It was just local information that you'd get. Then you would get a little bigger, maybe statewide, and then country, and now it's worldwide information instantaneously. And it overwhelms us because we were never made to have that kind of information on an ongoing basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and especially if it's negative. And so many times we're, we're struggling with that. But what has come of this is there are platforms that, that people use today to, it used to be you'd talk to your neighbor, you'd talk to your friends, you might talk to a stranger, but you wouldn't talk to the world. And people now have platforms to be able to address everyone. And it seems like many people want that opportunity to address everyone and tell everyone what they think, what their perspectives are, what their values are, what they don't value, what they do like, what they don't like. Want an audience to affirm what they're doing and say, yeah, you're doing right. You're doing the best. And our personal platforms to be able to get information out was initially used to try and seek affirmation. Do you recognize that? People were, were telling everybody about their days and what they were eating and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, this, this, this change happened. Where people were now starting to attack. Why are you eating that? Why are you wearing that? Why do you like that? And so it went from people trying to expose their lives to other people so they could be affirmed finding that there are trolls and people are attacking them all the time. And when we get attacked, what's our tendency to do? Attack back. And so this, this, this attack mode, this judgment mode, this criticalness has come to a new low. That everybody feels that not everybody, but many, many, many people feel that they can be critiquing other people's lives. And what's their reference point? Themselves. Exactly, it's themselves. And, and all of a sudden, they are putting on someone else, their personal perspectives, ideals, ideas, values, likes, dislikes, and it has caused this animosity and division to permeate our society. Now, do you remember when Jesus had a woman brought to him while he was teaching? He's teaching and, and the Pharisees and Sadducees throw this woman in the midst of him and his, his, the people he's teaching and says this woman was caught in adultery. Now, you remember how Jesus dealt with it? What did he say to them? You who are without sin, cast the first stone. That's really good information because before you write anything to anybody about anything that you think they ought to be corrected in, see how you're doing. It might, might cause us to back up a little bit and soften up a little bit because whatever truth we share to realign somebody, it's supposed to be in love. That means that we want the best for them, not to show them how much we know. Whew. And yet, what, what is it that, that we're supposed to be, who are we supposed to be affirmed by? First and foremost, God. And do you know what God's word says about you? You are his beloved. It says you are accepted in his beloved. That you are the apple of his eye. 
And so whatever anybody else thinks, yeah, it's unpleasant when somebody doesn't like you. And please understand, those that like you today may not tomorrow. Happen with Jesus. But if you know the person that knows you best and knows you most, loves you most, then that has to be good enough for us. Because when we go seeking the approval of men, the Bible tells us it's a snare. But with all this is going out, this information that we're, we're telling everybody what we think and what they should do, shouldn't do, how dumb they are because they don't think just like us, don't agree with what we think is proper and right, and, and listen, you all know it. We're coming up to an election year. I just want to say this as lovingly as I can. This is not a place for politics. There's only one we're lifting up, and he's not running for office. He doesn't, that's right, he doesn't have to. He's already established as the highest authority in the universe. And if you disagree with what somebody else is thinking or wanting, do it agreeably. Don't devalue them. Don't mock them. Don't talk behind their back. Don't be critical. Because they deserve the same freedom that you have. To be doing what God has or not doing what God has. And I don't know why I shared that this morning. God, please make it work. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where we just have gotten to this place where we just think our opinions are elevated, our perspectives are elevated, our reference points our values are elevated above everybody else's. And one of the things that it's done, it's caused us to devalue everybody else's, including God's. See, God didn't give Moses the ten suggestions. Last time I read my Bible, they were called commandments. By one in authority. When a command comes from an authority, it's done. Should be done. Because if not, the one who is being commanded is supposed to be in subjection to the authority. And if they're not, they're not part of the kingdom the way it's supposed to be. Now, I can tell you right now, the king is not going to change. I know that for a fact because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you don't have to change perfection. And in spite of what some people think, there's only one that was perfect. And that's Jesus. The king is not going to change. He's perfect. The kingdom is not going to change. It's eternal. And his word is not going to change. And so everything else has to adjust to that or separate from it. And today we're going we're gonna to take a running start and look at Psalm 119, 162, where we found out not only is the kingdom a treasure, Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure, something that it enriches, enhances, and elevates our life. Not just for a moment. You know, a little treasure for my wife is, is really good dark chocolate. Not, not the bitter chocolate, but dark chocolate. And, and so it's a treasure because it enhances her life. It enriches her life. It elevates her life and her blood sugar. 
but for a short time. There are things that elevate our lives, enrich our lives, enhance our lives for a short time. But the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom, and the word of the kingdom elevates our life, enhances our life, and enriches our life now and eternally. It never ends. And so the word of God is, is a great treasure. It's a great treasure. And we need to value it as that, not amongst other treasures. It needs to be one of the treasures of treasures, the highest treasure, just like the king is the highest king and the kingdom is the highest kingdom. And we looked at the effect. When we see what God's word is able to do in a life, we should all overcome every obstacle, opposition, every distraction, that comes to us the moment we try and get into the Word. The moment we begin to meditate on the Word. Memorize the Word. And we saw this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. We're not going to look at all of it, but we're going to revisit this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Who is this speaking? Jesus. Here's what Jesus is saying. Here's his Word. And remember... In the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us the word was with God, the word was God, or I'm sorry, in the book of John, was made flesh and dwelled among us. Okay, and God created everything in Genesis by his spoken word. And so Jesus is saying what God speaks, what I am, I'm the living word. You have, whether it's a physical Bible, an electronic Bible, whatever it is, that's called the word of God. And so those are his sayings. That's what God has for us to live by. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. See, that's why it's dangerous to sit here or to be online or to continue to consume mass quantities of new information from the Bible because it's not about the abundance of your information. It's about how much of the word are you actually living out. who does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock, the rock. So this is telling us, number one, storms are coming to everybody. But pastor, I wanted good news today. Is it not good news to know the storm is coming? I mean, if you don't know it's coming and it hits, what's usually the result of that? Man, disaster. But if you know a storm is coming and you can prepare, if you do it wisely, you're going to have what this reveals. And this is revealing every one of our lives. You're either in a storm you're coming out of a storm or you're going into another storm. Because you are in a fallen world. There is a battle raging every day. The enemy doesn't take holidays. He doesn't go on vacation. He is out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And he takes no prisoners. And so these storms of life, the floods, the rains, the winds, it says beat on that house. And some of you, you're like, I understand. I completely understand. Because you have been beaten. You are being beaten. Not beaten down, but being beaten against. Sometimes in times past, Christians used to look to other Christians that were going through difficult times and say, well, it must be sin in your life. That's dumb. Because if it goes for them, it goes for Jesus. Jesus endured all he did because there was sin in his life? No. And we don't know. Maybe it was choices. Maybe it was sin. Maybe it wasn't. 
But whether it is or it isn't, there's only one way to handle storms. Get through them. Prepare for them. Make yourself as strong and stable and secure as heavenly possible. And this, this, these things hit and hit and hit. And yet, the house stood. And it was because the builder was likened to somebody who heard the word of God and applied it. Heard the word of God and obeyed it. Now, I, 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 confession is good for the soul. There are things that I have found in God's word that I don't like. And when I say that, the only other thing that comes to mind is Brussels sprouts. Oh. I know some of you love it. I think they're mutant cabbages. But if I get to heaven and they're there, I'll realize I was wrong. But church, we, we have got to be people that truly, truly recognize there is nothing better than God, his kingdom, and his word. Nothing more valuable. Nothing we need. We can give away a lot of the stuff that we're spending our attention, our affection, our allegiance, and our finances on. And our lives could be much better if we would just take those things and invest them in the kingdom. Now, relax. We already took the offering. Okay? Not going to take a second offering. But what, what, are you, what are you investing yourself in, your time in, your resources, your finances, your, your allegiance, your attention? Because there are so many things that are pulling at us today. It, is, it would be unimaginable to our grandparents the things that are available to us today. Not just inconveniences. I'm talking about opportunities. We have more opportunities to do more things on every day. I remember, this is going to date me, growing up, living in Maryland, they had blue laws. You couldn't buy certain things. You couldn't do certain things. Thank God they got rid of those. We can do everything every day all the time. And that's part of the problem. We have more opportunities, more options that compete with our allegiance to God. And in some cases, all of those things are winning in a big way. Because we're, we're not as focused, not as aware of how much we need God his kingdom and his word. All these other things are going to pass away. But God, his kingdom and his word will not. And what will happen in the world that we live in, that storms are coming daily. Would anybody agree multiple times a day? Yeah. We better... Be prepared. We better be building our house on solid rock, on the word of God. But polls have shown that today in America, we are the most biblically ignorant generation that there ever has been. There was a poll done in the United Kingdom. And young adults were asked, would you be bothered by the Bible being banned? Nope. Wouldn't, 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 wouldn't bat an eye. Wouldn't, wouldn't care if the Bible was completely banned. I'm telling you that a wor world without God's word It is. It's chaotic. It's like the world before God began to speak order into it. 
so we see. We see the result. What battle are you battling? What's beating on your house? What's beating on your life? What's beating on your mind incessantly? And what are you doing about it? Because we can, we can try and handle these things a variety of ways. We can self-medicate. I did for years with alcohol. It almost cost me my health, my wife, and my life. But that's the way, because I wasn't moving towards God's word, God's kingdom. God himself. We're either moving towards God or we're moving away. Any other choice other than what God has for us is a movement away from God, away from stability, away from overcoming, away from peace, away from joy, away from hope. And yet sometimes those things that we turn to, like I did to alcohol, there was an immediate effect. And sin has pleasure for a season. The immediate effect was I numbed myself. But the long-term effect was when I sobered up, I was in a worse place than I started. Because sin always takes more than we ever dream it will. And it keeps us much longer than we ever thought possible. So, found it on the rock. How much word do you know? How much of God's word do we know? How much of God's word are we taking time to really build into us? To, to number one, read. You aren't going to get it unless you read it or you hear it. Number two, memorizing it. We memorize all sorts of stupid statistics. There are people that know so much about so much. And you wonder, how much of the Word of God do they know? Because all those statistics change. They don't last. And even if it is permanent, as far as we can tell in this life, the statistics, the information that we have is not going to go on to eternity because it's not relevant to eternal life. So God's word, God's word is so important. And, and we looked at in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, we're just going to start out with this, this portion, and we're going to dig into this. But it says every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration and is profitable. When it says God-breathed, this is really, really important. When, when, when God speaks his word or when God deposits his word, even in the scriptures, every scripture is God-breathed. All right? His breath. And you say, well, I don't understand how that is. I don't either. But I'm going to believe what the Bible tells me. And so when it says it's God-breathed, understand this. If, if I were to take a balloon and I were to breathe into the balloon, inflate the balloon, do you know that if you took that balloon and, and you carefully deflated it, turned it inside out, and you tested what was in that balloon, my DNA would be in there. Because when you blow, when you breathe, there's water vapor that comes out of your mouth. You know, that was one of the things that everybody was so terrified about back when, when we had the pandemic, the micro water droplets that would come out when people coughed or when they breathed or when they spoke. And God's DNA is in the scripture. 
it is not like anybody else's word. The life of God is in the word of God. When you and I speak God's word, it's like God speaking his word. DNA. I, I, I can't even pronounce what it stands for. But it's a very long word. I will try. Deoxyribonucleic acid. I did okay. I'm looking at my wife and she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, but DNA is, a her, is hereditary, meaning it passes from a parent to a child. But it also, listen to this. I went to DNA for dummies. I did. I really did. It's, it's in, in on, online. <laughs> you can find anything online. Uh, but it's a component of, a cr- of the chromosomes. It's material that transfers, listen to this, transfers genetic characteristics. It transfers genetic characteristics. That means God's word transfers genetic characteristics. You want to be like God? You want to be godly? You want to be an imitator of Jesus Christ? You want people to see Christ in you who's the hope of glory? We've got the provision. It's his word. But how much time, how valuable do we really show that the word of God is? Because if we're not spending time, effort, Resources, we can call it a treasure, but it's not. Because our actions prove that what we're saying is not accurate. God breathed. This DNA is in it. I know what I said DNA stands for, but I'm going to tell you what I think DNA means in this case. It means divine nature activated. When when we allow God's word to be breathed into us, there's a divine nature that is activated in us. We can't get any other place, any other way from his word. Whether it's read on a page, whether it's heard through a, a teaching or a video or in a book, listen. This is what is paramount. We've got to know the word of God. When Jesus was in a battle with the devil, when he was tempted, every time the devil tempted him, what was Jesus' comeback? It is written. If that's the way he has to defeat him, that's the way you and I have to defeat him. We can't be saying, well, Jesus is my Lord. Yeah. You've got to speak the word of God. The word of God spoken is like a two-edged sword. It is the only weaponry we have as Christians Every other piece that we've been given of the armor of God is protective. This is the only weapon, the word of God. And so Paul said, you know what? I don't fight as one who beats the air. I know that's that's humorous, isn't it? Looks absolutely foolish and who would be afraid of that? But if you know what you're doing and you're strategic, I've had fights in my life, physical fights. There was a time in my life because of the alcohol, I looked for fights. Dumb. And I won a couple. But what happened to most of them, I just got beaten. 
and it would take time to heal up from the beating and from what the alcohol was doing. But when you know what you're doing and you're proficient at it, and you have weaponry that really will cut through, that's what the truth does. It cuts through the lies, the deception, all these other things. And it's, it's profitable. Every one of us wants to make a profit or gain on what we do. We don't want to do something and lose ground, do we? And this says it's profitable. It's the only thing that is always, 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 without exception, profitable. If you knew that there was an investment you could make and it would never lose, it would always bring gain, would you be hesitant to invest in it? No. And yet this is it. If we invest our, our time, our effort in Gaining the word of God, hiding God's word in our heart like the scripture says that we won't sin against him. There's no downside to that. It's, it's always, always the best. But that word profitable, it means an absolute requirement, essential and mandatory to have, full of, listen to this, full of help, and assistance. Isn't that what we're looking for sometimes? I just need help. We're looking all the way out there and God's saying, look to me. I'm right here with you. There's no one closer to you than me. Look to me first. I am your greatest and first help. I'll give you all the assistance you need. I will use people and things, but it is me. Because every good and perfect gift comes from who? That's right. It also means providing benefit and giving an advantage. Knowing that whatever you encounter, God is going to work it for good, adding benefit and giving you an advantage. No matter what it is, you have an advantage in that situation. That you'll have the victory. If you'll just stand, having done all things to stand on the word, just like the house was built on the word. Meditating on the word, keeping that in your mind. Instead of fears just rampantly running through our thoughts. God's word, his breath is life. And, and we didn't show this last week, but Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is how God created Adam. He, he formed him of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living being. Do you know that that happens when we're born again? It literally happens. Do you know why? Because God doesn't breathe into your nostrils, but the pneuma Breath, it's the word for breath, or spirit comes to live in you. You have the life of God in you. And God wants to continue to fortify that because what Holy Spirit does in our lives, he reminds us of every word the Father has spoken. But to remind us, we have to have exposed ourselves to it. I can't remind you of Uncle Rick. I know, I know Uncle Rick. I remember everything about him. But if I say, hey, remember Uncle Rick? You're like, no. Doesn't do you any good. And if Holy Spirit wants to remind you of something, if you haven't exposed yourself to it, it's not going to connect the way God has for you to connect. It's not going to impart and empower to you what God has to impart and empower you with. And you're just going to be like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. And God wants you sure. God wants you so rock solid 
in what you know and what you believe, that when the liar comes, he can't convince you and rob you of what God has already given you. And right now, the enemy, I'm telling you, he's been doing this a long time. And he is really good at deceiving us. And, and the only way we can be sure not to be deceived is to know truth. The word of God is truth. The word of God is also a light. It's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The Bible says the entrance of the, the word brings light. And many times deception happens because we can't see clearly. We don't understand the truth. And so we get deceived into buying into something that is going to do damage to us. And that's why we need the word. Because immediately when, when the enemy comes to tempt, just like Jesus, it is written. It is written. It is written. It exposed the lie and the trap that was there that did not ensnare and entangle him. He stayed free. And that's what God has for you to stay free and continue to grow. That he would continue to breathe into us the breath of life, his word. But he's not going to sit down by your bedside and read you a story at night. He's there and he'll never leave, but you've got to read the stories. You've got to read the truths. You've got to read the promises, the provisions, the principles of the kingdom of life and allow that life to begin to saturate you. John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Going back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says all scripture has been given by inspiration. God breathed of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Doctrine. Doctrine is just about teaching. It's about information that's going out. You know, until we hear it, until we read it, until we are exposed to it, it can't have the effect it's supposed to. And that's why sometimes, you know, I have people say, you know, I, I don't read very well and I can't really remember what I read because I was one of them. And I still struggle. And yet, I knew that I was supposed to be studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. And every bit of it came hard, and it's still not easy. And there were times that I would literally say, God, this is not working. I, I, I am getting nothing out of this. I've just read a whole chapter, and I'm getting nothing out of it. You may not complain to God that way, but I do. I did. I realize when I do, it sounds dumb. But one of the things that would happen is I didn't know what I was stocking in my heart. The word of God that was being built up in my, my heart and my mind that Holy Spirit could access in a moment to remind me of what he said, that breath of life that all of a sudden would cut through all the fears and the what ifs and how come and how could that be? And a peace would settle in. That peace that passes all understanding that guards your heart and your mind. Doctrine. Someone wrote, it is well, a well-packed teaching that has full applicability to every part of one's life. 
So many people are saying, you know, the Bible is antiquated. It's not, it's not relevant to us today. There has never been a book, never will be a book, that's more relevant to every human being's life in every aspect and area than the Bible. It may have been written a long time, but it is as fresh today as it's ever been because it's alive. It's alive. It gives life. It's full. God's word is full of wisdom that can be applied to our lives that will keep us out of the hands of the enemy, the snares of the enemy. There are answers for every situation. And you may say, well, I don't believe that. Okay. But prove me wrong. Go in and find out what it says and see if there are not principles and applications for everything we deal with. God would, God would not be God if he didn't have a provision for everything because he does. Doctrine, reproof. Now, this word reproof, no, nobody likes being reproved, but... This word reproof means conviction. And that's different than condemnation. When we're condemned, it's a telling us we're doing wrong and there's no chance of you getting it right. Conviction is, the first part is the same, we're doing wrong. But it comes with hope, but you can change. But there can be an adjustment. The only people that don't change are the people that quit. So reproof in God's word being reproof is an indication of what's wrong and what needs to change. Then there's correction. The word correction means to set straight or upright, to put back on an even level position. What it's indicating is we get knocked down. We get knocked down by the storms. Remember the storms? The water, the rain, the wind knocks us down. And yet when the scripture that's God breathed comes to us, it has the very power in us to pick us up and set us right. I had a problem for a while where I would fall down. I didn't know when it was going to happen. And, and many times when I fell down, I couldn't get up. And I, honest to goodness, I remember this commercial, and I would hear it in my head. I've fallen, and I can't get up. And I thought, oh, that's me now. And yet, yet, do you know what? If you fall, you get tripped up by the enemy. You fall into a trap, a snare. God's right there. His word is there to help lift you up and stand you back on your feet again. I need that. I think every one of us, every one of us needs that. Because what happens is the word of God, which is alive, it brings life. There's vitality. There's power that literally goes inside and grabs a hold of us and sets us upright inside in our spirit. We're no longer down for the count. We have this hope, this confident expectation, confident expectation of good. And all of a sudden, we start rising up. Nobody else can see it, but we know God is helping us rise up on the inside. And eventually, it works its way outside if we keep at it. You know, it's kind of like what happened with my kids. When I read this and, and was studying this, I, rem I was reminded of us going to the ocean and the first time we were at the ocean, the kids went in, into the waves and got knocked down. 
And, and because they were little, they just kept getting rolled around in the waves, just like sometimes we get rolled around in the turmoil and the, 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 the mix of what life is doing to us. And I remember running down to the water and grabbing them and picking them up and setting them on their feet. And they wanted to run back to the towel. And I said, no, you're not running away from this. It's knocked you down, but it's not something you have to be afraid of. And what I did with the boys was just take a moment to show them. You brace for it. You turn sideways. You jump. But you can, you can enjoy this. You can benefit from this. And you know, that's what God does for us. He says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't run away. I'm going to teach you how to stand in the midst of this where it doesn't knock you down anymore. Because somebody else is watching you. And they need to see you be able to withstand and stand in these things to give them hope that they can. Do you think that what you're going through is just about you? That's a pretty small perspective. Because whatever you're going through, when God brings you through, God is expecting you to be able to help other people realize they can go through it too with him. Because he's there for them too. Sometimes we look around and we think, well, you know, these people are just superhuman. They can do things I can't do. No, they have a superhuman God that will do whatever we need to fulfill his will. Instruction, which is tutoring, training. It's disciplinary correction, guidance, and nurturing. Instruction in righteousness. And understand instruction. There are some things that are uncomfortable about instruction. Disciplinary correction. The kids that I used to work with at, at a hockey camp in Boston, when we would discipline them, we'd have them do wall sits. And they, would, they, would, they were terrorized by it because it was uncomfortable and it hurt. And they thought that we were just barbaric in making them do it. But we weren't. We wanted them to realize what they had done was not right. But we didn't want to hurt them, but they were uncomfortable with it. But in the very fact that they were doing wall sits against the wall, we were developing the very muscles that they needed to be better skaters. There are things that God will, will work on us with that may be really uncomfortable, but understand that discomfort is just about development. It's not about destruction. So, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. In righteousness. And righteousness is the right way God has for living. It's the way of the kingdom. It's conformity to God, his kingdom, and his word. And then it goes on to say that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, For every good work. The scripture tells us that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto all good works. The scripture tells us that people will see our good works. And glorify our father in heaven. The Bible says don't be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. This is the point of this. God has a plan. And he's working his plan if we'll work it with him. Now, I want to read this as we close in the Passion Translation. And it'll be up on the screens. God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture. That's the DNA. That's the empowerment. That's the presence. For it is God breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. Every one of us needs both of those, instruction and correction. 
giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. I like that translation. It's, it's a paraphrase, but I like it because it reveals so much that should be so important to us. But the Word of God, the Word of God. This week, before we get to January, make a change this week. This is the first day of the week, okay? Begin to make a change. Make the Word of God a priority. Get a plan to spend more time, not just reading, that exposes you, but studying so you can understand and become enlightened with revelation knowledge from Holy Spirit that as you apply it to your life, you experience the transformational work of God, His Spirit, and His Word to take you from glory to glory. That you would experience the transformational process that only comes from God, through God, through his word and his spirit. But we continue to, to become more and more of what God created us to be. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that people are not turning to to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in masses. And yet because of the deception and the work of the enemy, people are, are, are turning away. And it's because they've not seen the real truth of who God is and what he's like and what he does. And that is, that is for all of us to do. But if you're here today and... and You've never turned to and trusted in Christ. He's the only one that will always be there when the storm hits. He's the only one that can work all this out for good. He's the only one that has a plan for you that is better than you can imagine or dream and he will work it in your life according to his spirit and his word. And if you today would say, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of struggling on my own. I'm tired of just keeping, keeping, continuing to be knocked down. I would invite you today to pray. We're going to pray together, but invite you to pray to turn. It's another word that that means that is repent. Turn to Christ. Trust in Christ. And live your life under his governing and guidance. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came to earth, lived a sinless life, willingly went to the cross to die for my sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I come to you and I repent. I thank you for your cleansing and forgiveness. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. I ask you to govern me, guide me, guard me. Give me a hunger for your word and your ways. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer here, let somebody know before you leave. And if you prayed online, let us know. We, we want to pray for you. And uh, 
go to the website reslifeny.org and, and scroll down to where the prayer requests are and, and let us know that you prayed. If you want us to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want to be contacted, give us some contact information. Now, for all of us, you know, there's something here that God was speaking to each one of us today. It's not the same for everybody. But there are things that we need to celebrate because we're, we're tracking, we're doing what God has for us to do. And we need to celebrate that. There are things that we're out of alignment in and we need to get back into alignment. And so be aware of the change that God is, is wanting you to make that your life would be better than it's ever been on the way to being the best it can be. And then there are things that we're doing that God wants you to cut out. Just like the, the word is a sword, there are things he'll cut off with that word. He'll, he'll quickly reveal that's got to go. Please understand, no matter how dear, no matter how familiar, no matter how desirable it is in your mind, God is trying to save you and keep you from the destruction of what the enemy wants to use in your life to steal, kill, and destroy. So with that, I'm going to ask you to stand. Before I dismiss, I just want to pray a prayer for you right now, and then we'll pray to dismiss. But Father, I pray for every one of your children, the apple of your eye, your beloved. I thank you, Father, that you are working in us to will and to do your good pleasure. That we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, after truth. We have a longing for your kingdom and your word and your will in our lives. That, Father, we want to know you. We want to become more like you than ever before. And so we thank you for this good work that you've begun, that you are faithful to complete. And Father, this week I thank you for each one of us as we go through our days. Help us to be very aware that you are there. Help us to take time to give glory to you and praise and thanksgiving. Help us to be aware that your return, Lord, is imminent. And that we are here to fulfill your will in revealing your person, your character, your kingdom, and your life to every person around us that you loved and died for. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for this life that you have a plan for us for, for good and not for evil, with a future full of hope. And so, Father, we celebrate, and we don't just survive, we thrive because you're with us. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. have a great week.